marketing is an expense. And if you if you're not a marketer, business owners look at that money coming out of their bottom line that's going to pay for stuff and they start to freak out and they want to see the instant results so that it gives them some comfort that they made the right decision in spending that money. Today, I have a treat for you. This podcast episode comes with an amazing freebie. Um, that URL, I will give it to you right off the bat. Casey Gromer, vmo.com slash media maven. That's something that I'm going to link to in the show notes so you can grab it. What is it? Well, it is an amazing little workbook that will help you with your marketing, help you set your marketing goals and ensure that everybody who works with you, if you have a team, they know their designated role to help you build your business quicker and more successfully. Um, and that is exactly what Casey Gromer does. She works with people on their marketing plans and making sure that everybody on your team, if you have a team, is doing the right thing at the right time. And in this episode, we talk on something that is a frustration of mine when I see people have the frustration of not getting immediate results. Because in marketing, it's very hard to get immediate results, especially today. Maybe it worked a little bit better 10, 15, 20 years ago, but today you have to be patient. And listen, I am an impatient person. I am very impatient. But when it comes to marketing, I have learned to be patient. Because marketing, in my opinion, from where I sit with what I do for myself and for clients, it is about building a brand. You cannot build a brand overnight. You cannot become known as the go-to person in your industry overnight. So Casey Gromer is going to offer us a lot of tips, tricks, and strategies on how you can implement a short-term and a long-term strategy so you are seeing profitability from your marketing. And then we also get into who's doing what and what are our expectations? So if you do work with a freelancer or a VA or maybe even another agency, what are the expectations? Are you listening to one side? Is that one side listening to you in return? So I hope you enjoy this episode. There's a lot to learn here when it comes to marketing and working, working with others in marketing with Casey Gromer. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Hi, Christina. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm so happy to have you. We're going to talk everything marketing, marketing plans for businesses, small and large. And then I want to get into some business model stuff um, after we cover some marketing stuff. But let me know, let my audience know um, who you are, what you do, and why you are a good person to talk about this stuff. Thank you. I'm Casey Gromer. 
Uh, I am a fractional CMO. And for the listeners who don't know what a fractional CMO is, a CMO is a chief marketing officer. And fractional means that I do this for companies on a part-time basis. So this works really well for companies who are growing and scaling and they don't have either the budget or the need for a, you know, six-figure full-time employee sitting in their marketing leadership position, but they definitely need that professional level um, skill and advice so that they can make smart decisions moving forward. So that is a fractional CMO. I did not know that existed. I didn't know that was a thing. That's amazing. How did you... Like, did you want to do the work, but you wanted to be your own boss? So that's like kind of how this worked out. Like, how did this come about? Well, to be honest, I I made it up myself. And and then um, I'll I'll get to that in a minute. So I made this up myself because I thought, well, you know what? I really want to do this but I want to do it for more of the small to mid-sized business because I I had been working in corporate for over 15 years um, and I did want to be my own boss. So I made up this fractional CMO and when I did some research on it, I, I found that I'm not the only person that was doing this. So I thought, okay, well, that's my first sign that this is a decent idea because other people are doing it and making it work. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how that came about is um, kind of creating, creating my own unique abilities, so to speak. And for people who don't know what qualifies as a small to mid-sized business, what does that look like? Typically, the businesses I'm finding that um, benefit from using fractional roles, and and to be clear, marketing isn't the only way you can hire a fractional leadership person. There are fractional CFOs and fractional COOs out there as well. Um, But the businesses that typically benefit from from this type of model are between probably right around a million to 50 million or a hundred million, depending on the type of business you are. So if you are doing a lot of marketing or spending a lot of money on marketing, this might qualify you for needing to put in a fractional CMO until you reach the point in your business where you're ready to hire someone in that full-time seat. And the wonderful thing about having a fractional CMO is they're setting up your marketing strategies, plans, and processes so that when you are ready to hire someone that's full-time, you can onboard them really quickly because everything is already in place. So it's like a stepping stone. Yeah. And then when you talk about between a million to 50 million to 100 million, you're talking revenue, And okay, so just for everybody listening, you could have a million dollar business and be broke because you have a million dollars in expenses. So yeah, because so many people, I mean, especially online, right? They talk about their big business and they made this much money, but they always forget to talk about their expenses. My, my mastermind leader, Jason Swank, he says, it's like standing on a ladder to measure how tall you are. Like, I love Jason. <laughs> yeah, he's terrific. He says when you when you just count your revenue and you don't you don't um, account your expenses, it's like you're standing on a ladder to measure how tall you are. So yeah. so for people who look at like a million to a hundred million dollars in revenue, like on the surface it sounds great, 
but you really have to like dig into those numbers to see if if anybody's even making money in the business. So right. like keep that in mind. Um because a million dollar business, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say it's not hard to have. Obviously, having growing anything to a million dollars is impressive. Yes. But, you know, if you're not profitable, it, like, does it matter? Yes. <laughs> yes, that is um, a huge uh, soapbox that I have. Um, and, and, and one of the roles that your fractional team plays is making sure that the decisions you're making in your business are based on profitability and not just some vanity metric of the income you're making. And to be clear, I've had clients um, all the way down to, you know, six, uh, six figures that um, find benefit from working with a fractional CMO. It just, it just depends on what industry you're in. So for example, if you're in like a construction industry, you're not spending of money on marketing. Um, and you might be an $80 million business and still find benefit from a fractional CMO, or you may be making 500,000, but your e-commerce and, you know, 80% of your budget goes to marketing. And then, uh, a fractional CMO is definitely beneficial. Love it. Okay. I want to talk about building a marketing plan and looking at things short-term and long-term. And this is something that I discuss with my team and clients a lot because when people come to us, I don't know if just as a society of business owners, we become ridiculously impatient and we want results tomorrow if we hire you now. Um, But I can tell you in my industry and PR, it doesn't work like that. Like we are building your brand. We are building reputation. We are getting you in front of different people at different times in different ways. And that takes time. PR is a long-term strategy. However, things can pop up here and there that give you short-term benefits and short-term results. So like, you know, for example, when we get you on the Today Show, you're probably for a few days going to see a big jump in traffic. That's short-term. Long-term is when you become known as that go-to brand. So let's talk about building a marketing plan and keeping both short-term goals in mind as well as long-term goals in mind. Yes. I'm so glad you asked because that's one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, there, there. So when we work on, when I work on a marketing plan with a client, we approach both short term and long term. And I think what so, many businesses are doing is working backwards, where they're starting with short term and they're headed somewhere but they don't know where because they haven't done that work yet. So when you're working on short and long-term marketing plans, you have to know where you're headed first before you can create what those short-term wins really look like. And so some of the ways that you can look at a long-term marketing plan is if you have a really well-considered vision and when I say vision, I'm not just talking about the fluffy words on that you read on someone's website that's like our vision is. I mean, that's very great and wonderful and all, but there has to be some extreme thought that goes into the vision that, um, that defines, like, how do I know when I've achieved success, like you were saying earlier, Christina, like that number, the 1 million, the 50 million, the 80 million. um, And there's these vanity metrics. But is that what success looks like for you? Like, what does success look like? And the next thing we do when we're, we're crafting our visions is we've got to look beyond the dollars. 
And we've got to start looking ahead into the future. And if if we are successful, what does that look like? Let's start to describe what it looks like, both internally and externally. What does that look like? If you can do that, you can start to make some bullet points of like, okay, I see now there's some concrete, tangible things that we are working towards in the long term. Now let's work backwards and how do we get there? And so you work backwards from a, you know, it might be a three, five or 10 year vision and you work backwards into, okay, so in the next year, what are some small steps we can take that gets us closer to actually achieving that vision. And then ultimately, when um, when I'm creating marketing plans for the client, we're looking out 90 days. So we're taking that 10-year, that one-year plan, and then in the next 90 days, we've got to f- get really focused on really small steps. And so that's when you can start um, working in some of those shorter-term tactics that might be paid advertising or it might be media or PR and it might be um, events or speaking engagements or writing books or whatever that may be. But that's how we get a short-term marketing plan that really works in tandem with your long-term goals. And can you give us a specific example of what this would look like? Like um, it could be a real client you worked with. You could make something up off the top of your head. Yes. But give us an example of this in action. I have um, I have a favorite example I like to use because it's it's a I it's a client whose vision is really closely aligned to something that's important to me, and that's the environment. And so um, one of the things we did when we were working. Um, Um, we were kind of recrafting the vision for this company. And the original vision was about um, um, environment and the education of children. Um, And when we started, when I started really asking um, the the visionary, it's a she, I, I was asking her, what does this mean to you? We started uncovering, like what it looked like is we've got legislation that protects the environment. We've got children that are actually growing up to be um, environmental um, supporters. We've got more people going into the STEAM um, roles as they grow up. We've got women that are moving into STEAM roles. And I'm like, that's great. Okay. So now we know what success looks like. (laughs) What What can we do in the next 90 days that moves us towards making the world look more like that. And so we started to shift some of her short-term tactics away from, um, so she was, and you'll enjoy this probably, she was doing a lot of PR um, that was based on um, growing businesses or things like that. And we were like, okay, we got to shift that message into this so we started focusing on different PR tactics that were more in line with her long-term vision. We started um, running some Facebook advertising that was in line with the vision, and we started seeing exponential growth like almost immediately when we did that. That's amazing. Okay. And then you, I assume, take a look at what's working, what's not working every so yes. often, every 30, 60, 90 days, and then tweak? 90 days. 90 yes. days. Yeah, because you got to give it time, right? Like people, yes. I mean, is it is this a new thing in marketing or is it <laughs> like, what is it with the impatience? Like I can honestly tell you, I once, I'm not exaggerating, I had a client sign a contract 
on a Friday between two and three o'clock, probably three o'clock on Friday, he signed a contract on Sunday, not, (laughs) not even one business day later, literally two hours into the business day on Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. So just a little over 24 hours, he sent an email that he was unhappy with his services. I'm not exaggerating (laughs) people. What is it with business owners and marketing that they want everything tomorrow? I have a theory on that um, because and I, it isn't new. I saw this both in corporate and I've seen it from both sides, actually. You know, the agency side I've been on and um, the client side I've been on. And I think it's marketing is an expense. And if you if you're not a marketer, business owners look at that money coming out of their bottom line that's going to pay for stuff and they start to freak out and they want to see the instant results so that it gives them some comfort that they made the right decision in spending that money. So that's my theory <laughs> on why that happens. And why is it impossible in marketing to see instant results? Because marketing is built on a relationship I mean, there are there are some times when you can see a business have a quick win. So, for example, um, this might be like um, let's take the the current state of the world right now. Someone can come in and capitalize on this pandemic that we're in right now by solving a solution immediately that they know people have. And so you can do some really short-term advertising and you can be raking in the dough. And I've seen that happening quite a bit and that's fine. But then what happens is that becomes the norm and those stories get shared about how fast I made a million dollars or how, you know, my, I had these great wins, but that doesn't apply across the board. And also, that short win doesn't translate into long-term success. So that business may be out of business in the next six months because they're focusing on generating revenue, but they're not focusing on the long-term brand. They're not focusing on um, nurturing relationships with their customers. And once the lead pool is dried up, they have nowhere to go. I love that. And yes, that's so true. Like I'll have one client here. And the other client's like, oh, well, you got your client here. Why aren't we, aren't, why aren't we there? I'm like, uh, because you're a completely different niche or because you have a completely different audience or because this writer is not interested in you or what you do. Like y- people see things and they only see the surface. They don't yes. know what's happening underneath the surface. And they Absolutely. just they just go nuts and say, oh, I want that. I want that. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about working with external and internal teams because like okay. I'm here I'm I can give you my gripes about my clients and they can be in their office giving you know their team their gripes about me and my team and it is a challenge you know like for yes. example I have I have two problems with clients one is when they step on our toes and they try to do our job which makes our job harder and yes. two is when they don't do their they don't keep up their end of the bargain so for example we don't really do a lot of social media we right. do PR, we earn you the exposure. So then we tell you, hey, share this on your social media, tag the journalist, tag the outlet. Like this is where you are going to see your profit from your publicity. That's what I always yes. tell them. And yes. I swear eight times out of 10, they don't do anything with it. They don't tell <laughs> anybody they've, they've made it in the media. They don't share it on social. They don't email their list, nothing. And yes. that's a frustration of ours because then they come back to us and say, hey, 
whatever happened to that? I'm like, well, we gave it to you to share and you didn't do anything with it. So I'm sure, <laughs> I mean, that's just one example of yes. some of the back and forth working with different teams. Is there a way to, to fix this, to overcome this? I mean, I'm sure communication is a big part of it, but at the yes. end of the day, you can't make another team do something they don't want to do. Right. Um, I don't know if I want to um, give away my secrets because to be honest, this is where like 80% of my business comes from is people having bad experiences with a, um, an agency or a contractor or a freelancer or whatever marketing team they're working with and they don't understand where it went wrong. <laughs> So they come to me and and want it fixed. And so I I will give away a few of my secrets. Please do. Um, <laughs> because this is such a problem. Like I've I've learned. When I worked in TV, I feel like I don't want to say I feel like we were all the same, but in TV, like in all of the newsrooms I worked in, there wasn't a whole lot of personality clashes. And then I decided to own a business and build a team and work with other business owners. And I'm like, good Lord, are there a lot of personalities here? Well, I actually love where I'm sitting right now because as a fractional CMO, I kind of have that third party view. So I can, I can see both sides of the fence. And I think that's a really good place to see because what I'm noticing is on both sides, there are unclear expectations. And we've already talked about this where the business hires you and they're expecting to get, you know, to grow by 150% in the first 24 hours, where you are expecting them to actually go do something with this gold that you've provided them. So in order to get expectations really clear, um, and I focus more on the business side because I, I love agencies. They work really hard. There are some out there that are a little sketchy, but for the most part, I, I, I love agencies and I can see that the majority of the time agencies or freelancers or contractors or your marketing team is not being set up for success in the long, in, in the end. And it's because they don't, you're, you're not as the business owner, it's your job to help them get, I put that in air quotes, get your business. And in order for them to get your business, you have to actually have a something that's written or documented that talks about your strategy so they can come in and they can see this big like, okay, I get it now. This is this is what you stand for. This is where you're headed. This is your ideal client. This is what you're trying to accomplish. This is how you're different from everyone else out there. And this is how um, you're monetizing your business. Okay, I get that. And here's how I can come in and contribute to that. So that's the very first thing that needs to happen is you have to help. You can't just hire an agency and say, and, and say, okay, good luck to you. Come back when you've grown my business. Cause that's really what is happening right now. The um, second thing I see is that people are working in silos. So when you're hiring external marketing teams, they, you're not involving them as a team in most cases, in some cases, 
um, I do see this happening. But in most cases, they're an external piece of the team. So they don't see the behind the scenes of what's happening. They don't see what's happening with your other three agencies who are working on other things. And then what happens is you've got conflicting goals, you've got conflicting messages, and you've got conflicting things happening. And there's, there's no centralized location that's running all of these arms of your external marketing teams and making them talk together. And that's really dangerous. Um, and the, the last thing that I would mention, and this is solved by um, doing that marketing strategy where they get your business is that the the results that the external marketing teams are bringing to you don't align to those expectations or to those business goals. So for example, if you were to hire a social media agency, the social media agency might do exactly what they said they were going to do, but it's not doing what you as the business owner wanted it to do. And why is that? Because when you hired them, you didn't know what you needed. You didn't know what you expected of them. And you didn't even know what you wanted your social media to do for you. You just knew you needed social media because everybody's out on social media. So um, those are three of the things that I can see um, happening from a third-party perspective that businesses can easily tweak and get more from the money they're spending on these external marketing teams. That makes so much sense. And that also, especially when you talk about expectations, that speaks to the importance of contracts. Yes. I make sure that expectations are laid out in contracts, especially in my industry where we can't guarantee you anything. We can, you know, we pitch the media and it's up to the media what they want to cover and how they want to cover it. Um, yes. And people just take that gamble because the credibility and the authority you get is, you know, there's nothing that compares to that. Um, yes. But, you know, people, they have the expectation. They, I'm going to hire a, a PR agency and I'm going to get on on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And they have these big expectations. And <laughs> in the sales process, we're like, well, buddy, let's let's bring you down to earth. Let me tell you how this really works. And we don't only tell them in the sales process so they know what they're signing up for, but I make sure it's in the contract. And then mm -hmm. something else, because I feel like today nobody reads contracts. Right. <laughs> They'll sign them, but they don't read them too well. Um, even, even now I've started, after you become a client, you're going to get a welcome packet where I'm taking the most important things out of that contract and I'm cutting out all of the legal jargon and I'm resetting the expectations. So that's the third time that we're going to try to get on the same page here because I, I agree with you. Like you have to have the same expectations on both sides. And I, I bet that's probably where most of the conflict comes from. It has to be, right? Yes. Yes. And another way you can set expectations that goes even beyond the contract is know your measurables. So if you were, if this external marketing team or agency that you're hiring, if they are successful for you, what are you measuring? And, and tell them and have a conversation with them about it. Like, this is how I'm going to measure your success. That might be in terms of leads. It might be in terms of conversions. It might be in terms of um, cost per conversion. Or it might just be like, hey, you are in, in like, for your agency, it might just be like, hey, our, our expectation is we're going to submit you for 10 pitches a month. 
And we can't guarantee that you're going to get accepted on any of those pitches, but that's our measurable. And if we're doing that, then we're successful. So if you know what the measurables are that, that, that you're comfortable with that says this relationship is a success, then those are conversations that you need to be having. And if you don't know what you're measuring, then it's no wonder that you don't know if it's working or not. And that's a good note to people listening. Like even if you don't have an external company doing this, like do this for yourself so you yeah. can see what's working and how well it's working. So you can can or cannot go back to the drawing, drawing board and see uh, what you need to tweak. Okay, yeah. can we switch gears for a little bit? I want to talk about still, I mean, same years. We're all talking about running a business and marketing. Um, I have, I've always been the founder of my business. I have built a team uh, and then I, I hired somebody to manage the team for me, make sure the client's goals were being hit, make sure the team was happy. Um, and and then I brought somebody on to help me get new clients. I've always, I've built my business by everybody coming to me. Um, yes. because I practice what I preach. I do my own PR. So I, I get a lot of inbound leads. But then when I brought somebody on to kind of run everything, I thought, oh, well, now we can do more business, right? So I brought on um, a director of growth. And I was recently making um, a meet the team PDF. And I, I gave myself the title of director of marketing, because that's still what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my own marketing. And I was telling you earlier before we started to record that I find myself out of habit and out of convenience doing the job of my director of operations. Like I'll be in my email and I'll see something and I'll just tend to it just because it's habit. I'm in there. I might as well do it. But that's my director of operations job. And it's it's been hard for me and it's something that I need to consciously stop doing is stepping on her toes and being the bottleneck. And I'm looking to you now. Casey, for advice on how I can continue to be the visionary of my business while my team does what they're amazing at. And I let me tell you, all of my publicists, my director of growth, my director of operations, they are all a hundred times better than me at what they're doing. So I just need, give me a little bit of guidance on how I can step back and let them do their thing. And again, usually the problem is trust, right? Like at the very beginning, when you build a team, it's trust. You're afraid to trust them. I trust them completely. I just have this, I don't know, maybe it's just a habit of just doing it, right? <laughs> yes. Well, in a, in a perfect world, you as the visionary wouldn't really have much in terms of accountability over your team other than coming up with like the next big ideas for how to grow the bit like how are we growing the business or expanding the business and holding the big relationships you know as part of like the brand or the face of the company and also in um, engaging and inspiring your teams to support you and the growth of the business. So in an ideal world, you, you would have the, just the entire day to think about the future of the next big thing or whatever. But to keep you in whatever role it is that you've assigned yourself, and I'm sure you've probably already done this in some respect, but it's clear accountability and it sounds so simple, but it's so hard to do in practice because um, sometimes where accountability fails is there 
in the end, only one person can ultimately be accountable for a certain role or a certain responsibility. And, um, and I'll give you an example of that. We, we have an accountability chart um, in one of the clients that I am working with because she has some different levels and she has lots of different players. And in the accountability chart, the person, each person is given, these are the roles that you play. And then what happens is we'll, we'll put out like, we'll put out this mass communication of, okay, this, you know, this thing needs to get done and it will go out to three t- people but if your roles aren't clearly defined, you all find yourself looking at each other like, am I supposed to do this? Or are you supposed to do this? Or like, and in the end, nobody does anything. It just sits there. So as, as the founder and the visionary, to keep yourself out of what your team is doing, the best thing you can do is define what your director of operations is supposed to be doing and anything that falls in that bucket goes to that person, define what it is you're supposed to be doing and anything that falls in that bucket goes to you. And that doesn't mean you can't collaborate on thoughts and ideas. And it doesn't mean that you can't step in and help your director of operations when there's a need for that or you feel like you you want to do. But in the end, when you come to evaluating at the end of the quarter, you know, did we hit our numbers? Um, Did what was working, what's not working? In the end, that director of operations is the person that's responsible if something good happened, but also if something bad happened. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because I was just actually this week having a conversation with my director of operations and we were talking about um, she also has a news background and we were like, okay, listen, out of all the TV stations that I worked out, I worked at this one ran everything like a well-oiled machine. And this is why every single person knew exactly where to go with what task they were doing. Like there was no confusion over what your role was and what the chain of command was. Um, and so we've really implemented that. Like we, we looked at everywhere we've been, okay, which one ran the best? Why did it run that way? Let's, let's implement this in our business. Um, and I love that. I actually, Rocket Fuel is is a book that I have, believe it or not, I have not read it yet, but it's oh. all about the visionary and the implementer. And I need to read it. I need to buy three so I can give them to my implementers, right? I have two implementers. Um, so I, I definitely need to, need to do that. But this has been so super helpful. Um, Casey, can you tell people where they can find out more about you and learn a little bit more if they want? Yes, I would love to. I do most of my um, soapboxing and connecting over on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is an incredibly underutilized resource. So if you're in business and you're into networking, come over to LinkedIn and you can connect with me at Casey Gromer. And that's G-R-O-M-E-R. And you can you can visit my website, which is wavemarketing.net. And I do have a fun free resource that I've created uh, for your listeners of Media Maven that if you are, when you're interested in getting your teams all on the same page and and that blueprint we talked about, about creating that vision and a long-term plan, I have a little workbook 
um, that can help get you started on that so that you can get these things in writing and start getting your marketing teams functioning, more highly functioning for you. And you can snag that at CaseyGromerVMO.com backslash Media Maven. And that is um, VMO stands for Virtual Marketing Officer. So that is... Um, that's a, my old website that I'm in the process of transitioning, but that's where your little workbook will live. Awesome. I will link to that in the show notes so people can find that. Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you, Christina. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to grab that workbook at CaseyGromerVMO.com slash Media Maven. So Gromer is spelled G-R-O-M-E-R. Casey is spelled C-A-S-E-Y. CaseyGromerVMO.com slash Media Maven. And again, I am going to leave that link in the show notes for you. So make sure you check them out. You can visit becomeamediamaven.com or you can go to MediaMavenAndMore.com and tap on podcasts and find the show notes there. You can also find it on your phone if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you are. If you have an idea for a guest to be on our show, if you want to learn something specifically, then please reach out and let me know. I am at Christina All Day on Instagram and Twitter, and I am happy to chat.